Woke up quick at about noon. And here we are. There is live professional NBA basketball tonight. Welcome into this Wednesday, July 22nd edition of the podcast with Damian Barling here on the Be Heard podcast platform. We thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your day. Uh, It's good news, bad news, as it always seems to be with the Sacramento Kings. Let's dive into this a little bit. Uh, A couple of quick notes. Uh, Check out the rest of the Be Heard podcast platform. Uh, Jason Jones and Kenny Carraway. Kenny, I don't think you're listening, but if you are, brother, happiest of birthdays to you. The new J Street vibes uh, dropped yesterday. There plenty of talk about Marvin Bagley before it was announced he was out for the remainder of the season. There is a, a campaign to get Marvin Bagley out of his contract with Pumas. We are now blaming the shoes uh, for Marvin Bagley's injuries. And got to be honest, I, I don't think that's an entirely empty premise. I think there is some realness behind that. But let's get in uh, to the actual news. Of course, check out Deuce and Mo. Speaking of Jason Jones, Jason Jones is on the latest episode of the Deuce and Mo podcast. So make sure you head over uh, to the Deuce and Mo podcast once you wrap up with us here today. Uh, Marvin Bagley is out for the restart. Uh, That's not terribly shocking. Uh, We learned as the day went along when Luke Walton spoke yesterday, he didn't have any news on on Marvin Bagley. And so it was just kind of left at that and we were waiting for an eventual press release to come out. I know that concerned a lot of Kings fans. It concerned Kings media like he got injured on Sunday. I guess Tuesday in Orlando, it was Tuesday afternoon. You don't have the MRI results yet. And Luke Walton said, you know, it's a little bit more difficult in the bubble, which is fine. I believe him. Obviously, it's a different experience for everybody. Uh, footage of practice uh, that is shot by the Sacramento Kings came out, and you could see in the background uh, Marvin Bagley uh, on a crutch in a walking boot. Obviously, nothing good. You know, <laughs> there's no positive formulation of thoughts when you see that. And then eventually it was announced that Marvin Bagley was ruled out for the remainder of the restart. Uh, Essentially, the time frame for Marvin Bagley's reevaluation, if you will, was about two weeks. He was going to be in a walking boot for two weeks at that point. You know, we're into the actual restart. The the restart itself only lasts two weeks unless one of these six teams uh, goes on a run. And the team in the eighth spot... Uh, goes in a run in the opposite direction. So it makes all of the sense in the world for Marvin Bagley to miss the remainder of the season. And it's so frustrating because this, yeah, I was talking to my buddy Kamara last night. He was actually on a previous episode of, of be conscious that you could hear over on patreon.com slash Damien Barling. But we were having a conversation and it's like this in, in the way I just looked at this is this was how the season had to end. This was 100% how the season had to end for Marvin Bagley. It it had to end in <laughs> you know slightly exaggerating tragic sense because this is this is the way the entire year has gone for him. Uh, you know, he started out he had the you know I, I remember what a I just remember what a stinker that opening game was against Phoenix and I remember everybody's concern like oh really like Phoenix like really and it's like, all right, well, get through this game. They've got to bounce back. They've got to do better. Portland's coming up. Utah was after that. And that's, you know, Bagley hurts his thumb at the end of that game. And that's and then and then that's it. Bagley's gone for I think the next like twenty three or twenty four games. Like, all right, 
okay, work it out, figure it out. Kings have a, just a, a disastrous start. Really, what was just a disastrous, you know, season in most cases. And then he comes back, and you know, he's in there for for about eight games, and then he gets hurt again. And he misses another stretch of time. He misses another eight games, and then he comes back for four. He goes for, I mean, I think he has he has 15 and 15 uh, in his final game. 15 and 15 in his final game against the Miami Heat. And there's this, okay, okay. That's, that's what, that's, that's, okay. Now maybe Marvin can start to get into a little groove. It was his best game of the season. And that was also his last game of the season. Marvin Bagley has not played a basketball game since January 20th. So by the time Marvin Bagley plays in his next basketball game, it may very well be a full calendar year. Because, and, and I say that because we don't know when, when the season is going to start. And even if I'm, I'm airing you know, on the side of the season starts a, a long way from now, Marvin Bagley, even if it starts on the on the front end of when it was suggested by the National Basketball Association Board of Governors, we're still talking about December. We're we're talking about we're, we're talking about eleven months in which Marvin Bagley wouldn't have played professional basketball, and not because of an Achilles tear, not because of an ACL, not because of a single injury, but because a culmination of injuries that kept him out of the games. We have all believed this. Or, or I let me let me not say that. I don't think all of us have. Jason Jones and I talked about it on a recent episode of the podcast. But if the season had finished as normal, if there had been no coronavirus, if there had been no worldwide shutdown, and the season had finished, I think a a, a lot of us, Jason Jones and I, and I think a lot of you were under the belief that Marvin Bagley wasn't going to play another basketball game. And so, I guess this is just an extension of that. <laughs> well, we were right. We were right all the way back in, in January, February, or March. Marvin Bagley wasn't going to play another basketball game. There's been a lot of talk about, you know, training staffs and trainers and strength and conditioning and soft tissue and all of these different things. And, uh, you know, this, this is a, it's a different foot. It's a different injury. Uh, Luke Walton says he was injured uh, coming down for an offensive rebound. Uh, he landed on someone's foot. Okay, this is according to Luke Walton. And that's what happened. Uh, it's, I, I, I don't know that it officially has a label. His foot's not broken. Uh, we know that. I, I think they, it was, is it a, a foot sprain? Like he, he had a, see, see, this is, this is the concerning part. Like Jason Jones has said this a lot that that the Kings organization failed Marvin Bagley, and you know earlier in the year they you know pronounced the left foot injury he has as a foot sprain, and now they've pronounced the injury that he has here uh, in the training camp of this restart as a right foot sprain. All right, is that really what we're talking about here? Is left foot sprains and right foot sprains? Because there's a belief that maybe this, maybe that a, a left foot sprain shouldn't keep you out the remainder of the season. The left foot sprain shouldn't keep you out roughly. It would have been under normal circumstances. 
it would have been just a shade under half of the season. It would have been about 39 games that he would have missed at the end of the season. And, I, and I'm not talking about the thumb. I'm not talking about the other injuries. I'm talking about after, after the, the, quote, foot sprain. He would have missed 39 injuries, or 39 games. 39 games because of a foot sprain? And I think the other thing that is just maddening about this is we know Bagley's putting in the work. We've seen, you know, we see the workout videos. We heard about the 10 pounds of muscle. And, you know, we've heard nothing but positive things for both Marvin Bagley. We've heard positive things about Harry Giles. We've heard positive things about uh, both of those guys, you know, d- during their time away from this restart. We saw the pictures on social media, particularly uh, with Marvin Bagley. I actually saw Harry Giles working out at Game Fit over the break. And... Yet here we are. Four and a half months away from basketball. Uh, here we are. Four, four and a half months away from the team, I should say. Four and a half months away from the Sacramento Kings. Marvin Bagley's been away from basketball significantly longer. He, he's been away from basketball since January. We're approaching his eighth month away from basketball. And I don't know, you know, what type of, I, I just, it, you know, you want to be optimistic for the young man. You certainly want to root for him. That's not even a question of whether you root for Marvin Bagley or not. But at this point, man, it's really concerning. Like, you know, sometimes you just say a guy's got to get into the offseason. He's got to have that time. We essentially just had an offseason. This is, this is exactly like, you know, playing in that first game against Phoenix and, and hurting your thumb and then, you know, being out for the foreseeable future. You know, you're coming off that offseason. You're feeling strong. Everything's going well. Everything's clicking. Let's roll. Let's go. And then an injury takes it all away. Freak injury or not. And it's tough because there is a lot of pressure on Marvin Bagley. Uh, he is such an integral part, or he is supposed to be, such an integral part of what the Kings are doing in the future. Not not just the present. He's not just an integral part of what the Kings are supposed to be doing right now. He's supposed to be an integral part of what the Kings are doing for the next three to five years. I mean, in his case, probably five to seven years. And it's it's not happening. And it's not happening because he, he can't stay on the floor. It's not that he's bad when he's out there on the floor. And I know that the Kings record... Uh, was less than stellar, if you will. I believe we had them pegged at 0-13 when we talked to Sanja Singh. That is actually inaccurate. When he's in the lineup, it looks like they beat Oklahoma City on December 11th with Marvin Bagley in the lineup, and they beat the Golden State Warriors on December 15th with Marvin Bagley playing 22 minutes that game. So those are the only two wins that the Kings had in those 13 games with Marvin Bagley in the lineup. His last game of the season was the most amount of minutes that he played. He played 38 minutes uh, in that loss against the Miami Heat, in which he scored 15 points and had 15 rebounds. He was 7 of 13 from the field. And that was, again, if you watch that game, there was a moment, okay, like there's something positive to take away from this, and that positive is Marvin Bagley until we found out that that was the last we were going to see of Marvin Bagley for the foreseeable future. And apparently, the foreseeable future is still now. I guess we're back to the foreseeable future uh, with Marvin Bagley. So, 
I don't know. Everybody's entitled to their feelings. There's no reason to be angry at Marvin Bagley. It's not like he, it's not like it's not like he did this on purpose. It's not like he's trying, you know, trying to get hurt. Uh, but it is a frustrating situation if you're a Kings fan and you're looking for this nonsense of incompetent basketball for 13 straight years to come to an end. It's frustrating when you're looking and hoping and praying that maybe now, you know, after being able to get De'Aaron Fox at number five. You know, De'Aaron arguably or perhaps inarguably better than a number of the players who were taken above him. Most redrafts have him going at two uh, when you do the whole let's redraft this year of players. And it doesn't happen. You know, Harry Giles considered one of the, you know, one of the savviest picks of Vlade Divac. That's where my frustration with Vlade comes into. This, you know, this conversation started to take place on social media, and, and I know better. You should never have a conversation on social media because so much context can be lost in 240 characters or whatever it is. But you can believe that Vlade shouldn't be the Sacramento Kings general manager while also believing that he shouldn't be fired. You know what I mean? Because firing him is just like, oh, crap. It's like a whole starting over process unless you get like a top-notch savvy general manager. I'd argue that general manager was available last season whether he would have been interested in this job or not is entirely up for debate, but David Griffin would have been the type of guy who could have come in and pieced things together. But Vlade and Luke, they're married to each other. They're locked in with each other, and we'll you know see what the future looks like with them. But you, I, I'd argue that Harry Giles was Vlade's savviest move. Terribly, terribly low risk, potentially massive return. And all they had to do was pick up his option for one more year. And they chose not to. And just as I could say that drafting Harry Giles was Vlade a savviest move, whether it was he or someone in his front office circle that decided it would not be the smart thing to do for the Sacramento Kings to pick up the Harry Giles option, that is arguably one of his worst. And, you know, we could talk about Stauskas trades and all of that, you know, crap all we want to but this is just a this is a miss and it has the potential to be a catastrophic miss but we don't you know that's to be determined later and now we're going to be in a situation we're going to we're going to be seeing a whole lot of Harry Giles we're going to be seeing a whole lot of Harry Giles and we're going to be seeing a whole lot of Dominion Bielitsa like those are going to be the bigs for the Sacramento Kings Alex Lynn is back he is in Orlando but he is you know kind of working his way back into shape. I think his first practice was actually yesterday. He got out of the, uh, he was able to get through the, uh, you know, the initial quarantine stage that we talk about, the 36 hours uh, that you have to be uh, locked up in your room when you first arrive uh, in Orlando or in the case of uh, some other NBA superstars uh, later in, in, in this, in this um, restart. So some guys will be rejoining their teams. Uh, Montrezl Harrell has left. Obviously, we all know that Zion Williamson has left. Harrison Barnes hasn't even arrived yet. Harrison Barnes is still here in the city of Sacramento. So we're going to be seeing a whole a whole lot of belly and a whole lot of Harry Giles. Uh, Rashawn Holmes, he was back at practice yesterday as well. And so there you go. Uh, Giles and belly. And, uh, and now I don't. I guess 
I guess with Bagley, as we, you know, when the offseason approaches, because as excited as we are, there's there's Kings belt, there's Kings basketball tonight. 5 p.m. tonight, there is Kings basketball. Uh, there are four NBA games tonight. Kings uh, are the last one of the night. The, the, the Kings and the Heat close things out at 5 p.m. our time. Uh, we've got Orlando and Los Angeles. We've got Washington and Denver. We've got New Orleans and Brooklyn, or what is left of Brooklyn. And then we've got the Kings and the Heat. We've got basketball all day here on this Wednesday. I am down for that. And then we've got, you know, you know we've got basketball coming up this weekend. Uh, you know, we made it, I guess. I, I mean, I, I, knock on wood, like we're, it's, it's, it's about to go down. It's about to go down. And that's great. It's good stuff. We can actually talk about something that happened on a basketball floor yesterday. You know, we can talk about the Kings and what they're doing. The rest of these games, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how much we're going to be talking about Kawhi and Paul George or, you know, uh, I don't even know. Is Nikola Jokic with the, with the Nuggets? I, ha- I haven't been following that particularly closely. We know that Zion isn't playing tonight. I don't even know who's on the Brooklyn Nets anymore. So, I, I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I'm sure there'll be some stories coming out of there. Hopefully the Kings can get through this game. Hopefully all eight of these teams can get through their games uh, without anybody getting hurt. But we've got that tonight. We've got opening day. We've got the Yankees and the Nationals tomorrow. We've got opening day baseball uh, tomorrow on ESPN. Uh, you know, I love the WNBA. I you know many of you don't love it as much as I do or love it at all. But the WNBA tips off this weekend. So we're, I'm so, I'm so scared to say it, but I think, I mean, I think sports are back. And the, tonight's game is going to be weird. You know, there's not going to be, it's going to be 10 minute quarters. I think there's a whole, there's a whole layout of how these games are going to be done. Like they're, they're, they're going to be done differently than anything, you know, we're accustomed to seeing. They're going to be done differently uh, than the way games are done you know, just in in a matter of a couple of days, for the first two scrimmage games, um, each each quarter will only be ten minutes. Or, for, or, or the, excuse me, the first scrimmage of each team, the quarters will only be ten minutes. Uh, the final scrimmages will go down to uh, th- that'll go back to a normal twelve uh, minute game or twelve minute quarter. Excuse me, a forty eight minute game. Uh, game presentation elements. Uh, those will be reduced until the seeding games uh, begin. All 33 scrimmages will be available on NBA TV or NBA League Pass. Of course, today's game, uh, I'm not sure if it's an NBA TV game, or uh, but you can certainly catch it on Comcast Sportsnet. So uh, we've got basketball. I think it's the third preseason game, if I'm not mistaken, that's... Uh, that one's only available uh, if it's not on NBA TV that particular day. It's it's on uh, Kings.com. Uh, there was some sort of scheduling conflict with with that particular Kings game. So, but I guess we made it. I guess we made it. We've got basketball tonight at the bubble, and we've got baseball uh, tomorrow with the Nationals and 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 the Yankees. And I think I heard Dr. Fauci is is throwing out the first pitch of the game. Uh, Dr. Fauci's a big a big Nationals fan. Uh, the Blue Jays, they're, they're moving to, I guess they're moving to Pittsburgh because uh, Toronto is 
too smart for all of this nonsense that's that's going on and traveling teams coming in and out of their country. So I guess they're going to go ahead and uh, send them down to to Pittsburgh. Uh, the, the, I, 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 and for no other reason than than from what I read here on on ESPN that the schedules match up perfectly, like they 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 work out almost perfectly uh, for the Blue Jays to have their home games there. Not that it, I mean I I don't know. I, I mean that's sixty road games for the Blue Jays. Like they you know, it's it's whatever you could talk about fields, uh, but. You also have like the comfort of, you know, your game day routines. Uh, so, you know, Toronto had a bit of of a uh, of a disadvantage here as the bas- the baseball season is is set to get underway here uh, tomorrow. But uh, at least they're going to be able to get their games in. Um, other news, uh, I don't know, I don't know what else to say about Bagley, um, other than. You know, his second year has kind of come to an end. It didn't go the way anybody else wanted wanted it. Let's let's look at this before we get, you know, too down in the dumps. Joel Embiid missed his first two years. I know that is a, I know that is a steep comparison, but play along. Joel Embiid missed his first two years. Remember, there were concerns uh, with Joel Embiid's back. And there were concerns with Joel Embiid's feet. It seems, you know, it's it's the Bill Walton syndrome, the Greg Oden syndrome. You know, back and foot injuries seem to follow bigs, and there there is, they're timeless injuries for big guys in the NBA, and I just think that's worth pointing out. Joel Embiid missed his first two years, and then in his third year. He only played 31 games. I remember us arguing whether Joel Embiid could or should be the rookie of the year when he only played 31 games. I remember when Joel Embiid started his fourth year because he had only played 31 games the year before. He thought that he was eligible to win the rookie of the year in his fourth year. Now, he was eligible to win it in his third because he didn't play in his first or his second because of those feet injuries. His back injury, his back concerns we're coming out of college. Once he got to the NBA, it became concerns with his feet. Well, here we are with Marvin Bagley having concerns with his feet. We're wrapping up his second season. He's headed into the third. It's not over. Like, it is not. It sucks right now. It's, 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 not, it's not fun to think about. But, you know, his career trajectory is not dead. You don't have to go with the assumption that Bagley was like, and please, for God's sakes, don't start calling the dude a bust. Like he's not a bust. The dude can play. Just he's he's got to stay healthy. And we've it is up to the Kings medical staff. It's up to Marvin Bagley to work with different trainers, maybe trainers outside of the Sacramento Kings organization, to figure out if there's a way that these types of injuries can be prevented. Obviously. The, the hand injury. There's nothing you could do about it. That happens all the time in basketball. It was, it was a freak injury. In the final, like, minute of the first game of the season. What are you going to do? That's, that's not, like, it's, it's not because Marvin Bagley didn't foam roll the palm of his hand. Or it's not because he didn't get a massage on his thumb. Like, it, it just happens. But the feet injury, you, you know, the, 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 the feet injuries... 
you've got to look at and see, okay, what can we, it, 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 what can we do? Is there anything we can do? Do we need to increase his pliability, his flexibility? Do we need to increase his range of motion? Do we need to I, I strength train his foot? I, I mean, I don't know. But we don't need to look at this and go, oh, it's over. We took the number two pig. This is Purvis Ellison all over again. We don't need to do any of that. And no matter how steep the comparison is, you can point to Joel Embiid and say, Embiid missed two and a half of his first three years. Two and a half. All right, well, Bagley's two in. And he didn't even miss year one, by the way. He played in year one. He missed games in year one, but he didn't miss his, you know, he didn't miss all of his rookie season. He just, I think part of the frustration with his rookie season is he didn't get uh, as many uh, opportunities as we would have hoped. He played 62 games uh, his rookie year. So, he got quite a bit of run. Quite a bit of run uh, his first year. So, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't throw in the towel on Marvin Bagley yet. Uh, I don't know what this offseason is going to look like. I don't know how this off, long this offseason is going to be. But all we could do is just hope the next time the season rolls around, uh, Bagley's healthy. And now there's just this, there's this underlying feel that he's not going to be. There's this underlying feel that he's just he's never going to be healthy. Uh, so tonight, when the Sacramento Kings take on the Heat, there'll be a whole lot of a whole lot of Harry Giles. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see Rashawn Holmes or Alex Lynn tonight. Uh, there'll be a whole lot of Nemanja Bjelica. It'll be a 40-minute game as opposed to a 48-minute game. Uh, but basketball is back tonight. Some more NBA news and notes. Uh, the lottery has been changed. It has been moved from August 25th to August 20th, ESPN obtained a memo that said uh, the draft will still take place on August 16th, uh, as been uh, previously reported, but uh, the NBA is looking to kind of speed up their offseason. There's a lot of things, you know, normally there's a combine uh, in Chicago, and it kind of goes along with the lottery. That's, that hasn't been rescheduled. Uh, they're trying to, they being the NBA, they, they're trying to figure out uh, potential dates and in, in formats in which they can hold some sort of combine. But with, you know, with teams in, you know, quarantined in Orlando, you'd have to find guys who weren't on the travel party to go do the evaluation process, or you have to have this evaluation process uh, done on you know, a video conference, I guess, and have a, I guess it would be a, a, a league person there at the combine, you know, to do the measurables, uh, to do all of the different tests, all of the kind of silly stuff that they do. But unlike the NFL combine, the NBA combine, actually, you actually see action there. Uh, you get some movement in and you get some actual workouts. I, I just don't know how that, I don't know how they'll be able to work that process with, so many teams uh, in Orlando, and here we are talking August 20th. So 16 teams are still going to be in Orlando. No one will have gone home by that point. Well, I mean, it'll be close. It'll be pretty close. I think if it, I don't think anyone will have gone home yet. They'll be really close to going home. I think the 
first round of the playoffs will be underway at that point, but I don't think the first round of the playoffs or any series in the first round of the playoffs will yet be over. So that's a, it's, a, it's a difficult navigating process that the NBA is going to have to take. It's going to create a unique situation for, obviously, whatever the combine winds up being, but it's going to cr- create a, a unique situation in which you're going to have to rely very, 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 very heavily on your scouts for the October 16th draft. And that's a, one of the big differences between the NFL and the NBA. In the NFL, you know, there was all of this, I, I think it was, oh, was it Bruce Arians, I think, who said uh, when there was all of this, postpone the draft, we haven't been able to do our normal process. Bruce Arians was the guy who said, if you told me I had a draft in an hour, I could. because I trust my scouts and I trust you know, the process that we've been through. Uh, in terms of evaluating players at positions that we need. But the the big difference between the NBA and the NFL is when you're in the NFL, if you're evaluating game film, you have a years to evaluate with. If, if nothing else, you have at least a full year. In most cases, you have multiple years to evaluate a, 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 potential, a potential draft pick. In the NBA... You're, you've got, like, games that you can evaluate. In the case of the NBA this year, because so many freshmen uh, often come out, you don't even have the tournament to look at. You don't have the conference tournament to look at, and you don't have the NCAA tournament to look at, so you're stuck evaluating just regular season games. And in most cases, you probably only have this one season to evaluate a player. Again, because of the amount of freshmen that enter the draft every year. So this is going to be a, a very unique, as everything in 2020 has been, this will be a really unique situation for the NBA when it comes to uh, the upcoming NBA draft right now scheduled for October 16th. The Timberwolves, one more little basketball note here. The Timberwolves are for sale, and the Will family that owns the Minnesota Vikings, they have emerged as a serious candidate to buy the the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Glenn Taylor, I guess, is looking to get out of the NBA business. There are several bidders for the team. Uh, Kevin Garnett uh, is trying to form a group to purchase the team as well, but the Wolves appear to be uh, in the prime spot right now, and uh, they've got the money to buy the team. Glenn Taylor has owned the Minnesota Timberwolves since 1994 when he bought it for the cheap cheap price of $88 million. No wonder he is trying to sell it. He's going to make, uh, the belief is he's going to make an excess of $1.2 billion. The franchise has been valued at close to $1.4 billion. I want to repeat this just in case you might have missed it. We are talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves here. Man, you talk about, like, uh, imagine if, do and maybe I just don't pay close enough of attention. Do like do clothes inflate at the same rate? Like, does anything inflate the same way the value of a sports franchise inflates? Like, you go to buy a nice, a nice jacket. It's a hundred dollars. Like, oh man, cool. This is a nice jacket for a hundred dollars. And then you know, five years later. 
It's like, oh, it's the same exact jacket. I remember saying this. You know what? I got a little bit more disposable income than I did. I'm going to spend the $100 to buy this jacket. Wait a minute. This jacket is $756 now. I know it's random. I don't know how I got to 756 But I feel like that's what... Remember the Kings? What was the Kings like? Half a bill? What was it like 500 something? 500, 550 something thousand? And then like immediately afterward, the Bucks, I think they sold for a little bit more. And then they started looking at teams that were potentially valued at you know, uh, excess of a billion dollars. And of course, you know, the situation with Donald Sterling and, and, and Steve Ballmer buying the, the, the Los Angeles Clippers. And that was obviously a billion dollar franchise thing. That was a multi-billion dollar franchise. And th- now I guess sports teams being valued at over a billion dollars has just become the norm. That's a hell of a, that is a hell of a investment by Glenn Taylor, $88 million to net you uh, somewhere between 1.2 and $1.4 billion. Some of these billionaires are very smart people. Not all of them, uh, but some of them are. Uh, Glenn Taylor told The Athletic that he will not sell the team to a group that wants to move it out of Minneapolis. Uh, he says uh, people have inquired who are interested, but they want to move the team. They are not a candidate. We've made that very clear. Uh, that's Glenn Taylor talking about potential candidates for the Minnesota Timberwolves and potentially moving the team uh, out of Minnesota. They are not candidates. The Minnesota Timberwolves will not be leaving. Uh, Kevin Garnett thing is interesting. He's got to form a, a, a hell of a group here. Uh, we know that Kevin Garnett has made a whole lot of money in his NBA career just on the floor. Uh, but this is, you know, th- there's... There's... Wealth. There's generational wealth. There is having a lot of money, and that is Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett's family, anyone associated with Kevin Garnett's family will never have to work again should Kevin Garnett decide uh, that's how he's going to use his funds. Owning a sports team is an entirely different type of wealth. That is generally not professional athlete wealth. Like Jordan owning the uh, Charlotte Hornets, that did not come from a Chicago Bulls contract. That came from the jump man on your shoes or on your shorts or on your shirt or on your jersey or on whatever. That, that, that did not come from the contracts that he got at his, with his time as a, member of the, as a member of the Chicago Bulls or as a player in the NBA. It came from Gatorade and it came from McDonald's. Uh, but the bulk of it came from that jump man on your shoes. That's where it came from. I'm sure he's had a number of other, you know, investments, whether it be property or otherwise that have have built his wealth. But the point is for an athlete to own a professional sports team, their money has to come from somewhere else. Their money just can't be uh, what they signed as a as a player because it's not enough. It's an entirely different type of wealth. Like Jerry Jones was a billionaire many times over before he owned the Dallas Cowboys. He had his wealth. We've talked about this before. Owning a sports team isn't where you make your money. Unless you're Mark Davis. It's not where you, it's not like you're, it's, it's not your primary source of income. You, you own the sports team because you want to be a part of a very elite club. You want to be a part of a club that, you know, only a, a, figuratively a handful of people are a part of. A very, 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 
very, very tiny percentage. Like you're already in a very tiny percentage of, you know, people who make similar money to you. Like the percentage is, is, is extremely small. You, you want to put yourself in even more of an elite category by owning a sports team. There aren't many, if any, professional athletes that are in that category. The closest that I can think of is LeBron. And in terms of a basketball player, the closest I can think of is LeBron. Outside of basketball, Tiger. And probably Serena. I think I, Serena's looking to buy a... Is it a women's soccer team, maybe? And when you say... You know, I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the cost of buying a women's soccer team is perhaps a little bit less than the cost of buying the Minnesota Timberwolves or a professional basketball franchise. But it's a different type of wealth. But Kevin Garnett uh, was vocal on social media yesterday that obviously he wants to be a part of uh, a group that can uh, purchase the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, from Glenn Taylor. Uh, as I mentioned here at the start of the show, make sure you check out the other podcast here on the Be Heard podcast platform. Check out Jason Jones, uh, who joined uh, Deuce and Mo on the latest edition of their podcast. And then check out the latest episode of the J Street Vibes, which dropped yesterday on the Be Heard podcast platform. Check out the latest episode of the Dope Ones as well. You can get your More Than a Podcast t-shirt now in King's Purple. Over at thedopeones.com, just check out the collections. Click on the Damian Barlin collection. You can get your uh, Be Heard t-shirt as well. You can get your Relive, Be Conscious, the podcast Damian Barling t-shirt. They're all available for you there. Uh, black, white, purple, they're all there. Go check them out, thedopeones.com. And if you have a question of how to find... The podcast, just search Be Heard in your podcast platform. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you could do it right now. It's actually pretty dope. This was, this was, this was, I was really excited when we were able to get this set up properly. If you go to uh, where you search for podcast, you don't have to type in Damien Barling. You don't have to type in Deuce and Mo. You don't have to type in J Street Vibes or nothing like that. Just type in Be Heard. All five of the podcasts should pop up. Same thing should happen if you're on Spotify or radio.com. Oh, and shout out to uh, Sky Natural CBD. We haven't talked about them in a while, uh, but they've been down with us for a very long time as well. The promo code in the game is still live. Um, I placed an order with them. I got some treats, uh, some CBD treats uh, from my two yellow labs, and uh, I got some more of that hemp oil that I, I put under my tongue before I go to bed, man. It's one of the only things. It's been a stressful couple of weeks here for your boy, and it's one of the only things that can help me uh, sleep through the night. That's Sky Natural CBD. So head over to skynaturalcbd.com. And this is the end of the commercial portion of our program. As we roll along here, the NFL. So I, again, I'm I'm fearful to to you know report this story. I'm fearful of bringing up this story because I'm fearful that I have missed something. So if I have missed something, can you please help a brother out? Uh, the NFL PA. Uh, listed on its website. They had originally listed on their website that 95 NFL players were with a known positive COVID-19 test. Okay? Then they changed the number to 72. I, I, I believe that, that, that on July 10th, the number had become 72. And it was like, okay, cool. Okay, now the number is 59. So the NFL website now lists 59 players with a known positive coronavirus test. The NFLPA posted a statement saying that the higher number included all known positives across the league. That includes staff. 
36, according to the NFL Players Association, 36 of the positive tests were non-players. And we know, we know a number of players who have had it. Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Von Miller, uh, Andrew Whitworth is one of uh, the center for the Rams. Um, Brian Allen, he had it. So we went from 95 down to 72. Now we're at 59. Here's the part that I'm, I'm fearful that I have missed and have not seen it in any report that I feel like I have studied pretty closely. So if I've missed it, forgive me. How many people were tested? There is no context. There's no context behind 95. There's no context behind 72. And there's no context behind 59. What do these numbers even mean if we don't know how many players were tested? If 100 players were tested and 59 were positive, that's probably a big problem. If 59 tested positive, but 300 were tested, okay, probably not as big of a problem, especially considering there's no quarantining or metaphorical bubbling, if you will. There's none of that. So it's, it's 59 positive tests just in the open life right now, just in America, the way things are. But we don't, we don't know the number of people tested, and I feel like there's... I feel like these numbers from the NFL Players Association are useless until we know exactly the context behind them. 59 positive tests out of 500 tested. Woo! Okay. All right. We could work with 59. Uh, 59 tested positive out of 110. Woo-oh. That's a problem. Because how many are going to be tested... Weekly, daily, how many, how many players are going to be tested every single day? How many staff are going to be tested every single day? Is this a situation where, because the Players Association pushed for daily testing, so are what we're talking about now, are players getting tested daily and training staff, coaches, uh, and other essential team personnel, because remember there, were, there are now tiers of team personnel that I'm sure has organizations and people working for organizations deep into their feelings is there's that tier that's allowed around players and around coaches. And then there's tier that the, the, the two tiers that are not, here's my question for you. Are we looking at a situation this upcoming season where we look to the sideline and you've got the players, right? Who have all been tested, but then you have everybody else in masks. One, that doesn't seem like a, a, a far-fetched thought. Two, that seems like a very reasonable... If, 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 we want it, if we want the NFL this year, that seems like a reasonable approach. If you're going to test the players every day, go ahead and test them. But everybody else needs to be masked up. Trainers. And, and I don't know how, how daily testing pertains to coaches. Um, coaches already cover their mouth with the... They already cover their mouth with, the, uh, with their play call sheet. Hell, just put the mask on now. But I don't know that that'll. I don't know that that'll pertain to coaches as well. Coaches may be getting regular testing also, or it could be that top tier. Remember, it's it's three tiers now of team personnel. Maybe the people in that top tier that have to be around the players on a daily basis. Maybe they're a part of the daily testing. That would surprise me, but maybe they are, or maybe they're just part of the regular testing. Maybe there's daily testing for the players and regular testing for the rest of the essential personnel. Mike Florio brought up a good point that many of us may have forgotten. If you recall, 
uh, just before the global pandemic uh, really took its foothold. We were talking about the collective bargaining agreement and the National Football League. We were talking about the expansion of the NFL season. We were talking about how next year there would almost certainly be 17 regular season games played. Mike Florio brought up the point where he wonders, because remember it was the NFL Board of Governors or the NFL owners that were pushing for 18 games. And now with a likely loss of revenue in the 2020-2021 season and potentially a loss of revenue in the 2021-2022 season, Mike Florio wondered if, hey, you know a way you could offset this lost revenue is to add more regular season games. Now, we know a 17th game is coming, regard pandemic or not. We knew that the 17th game was going to come, and we knew it was almost certainly going to come at the soonest possible moment, and the soonest possible moment is next season. Well, what if the NFL said, hey, wait a minute, we'll give you the daily testing, and you've got to believe in this. I'm, I'm, I'm sure this can't just be me who thinks anytime the NFL agrees to something that there's an ulterior motive. Oh, the NFL, oh, the players, you guys want daily testing? Okay, all right, all right, you got it. You're right, we got to keep you safe. You guys get daily testing. Hey, we don't want any preseason games. You don't want any preseason games? Oh, man, you're right, that's dumb. You know what? Daily testing, no preseason games. Hmm. NFL seemed awfully agreeable. Well, perhaps the NFL was awfully agreeable because they're going to ask the NFL Players Association as they're navigating through this global pandemic, as they're navigating through COVID-19, as they're navigating through their potential losses, perhaps they could present, hey, there won't be a reduction in salary cap, which means there won't be a reduction in salary if we could potentially add, maybe, 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 maybe just add one more game. You know, we're going to go to 17 next year. You know, if, if you really want to offset losses, let's go ahead and let's add one more. Let's go ahead and add 18. Now, it seems like, a you know, the, the NFL Players Association fought against 18 games. But that was before salaries were potentially impacted because that's how the that's how the that's how the NFL the owners can pitch it there will be no loss to the league if in 2022 we 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 go from 17 games to 18 games and maybe that's just maybe that's just the cynical approach of of Mike Florio and the people at Pro Football Talk and maybe that's just the cynical approach from me from actually believing this is a this seems like a very likely possibility this because again the NFL just goes daily testing okay you got it no preseason games cool no preseason games what else you want you know there's supposed to be rookies uh, reporting to camp and we're you know, we just laid out, there are four NBA games tonight. There's Kings basketball tonight at 5 o'clock. Uh, we laid that out. We laid out how Major League Baseball season starts tomorrow. Well, six days from today, if you're listening on Wednesday, July 22nd, we've got the start of NFL training camp. Our first steps towards an NFL season are taken in six days. 
Of course, the best part is the WNBA starts this weekend. I know that's going to piss people off that I keep bringing that up. That's why I keep bringing it up. You guys should really watch the WNBA. I think you'll like it. I really don't think some of you have given it a real, like, I'm going to give this a real opportunity. I know damn near everybody listening to this is a basketball junkie. Oh, man, give it a shot. I think you'll like it. You didn't think you were going to like the podcast? And look at you tune in every day. Which I'm appreciative of, man. I love you all. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you uh, for subscribing, rating, reviewing. Uh, and you, and you, you all have been so kind to subscribe, rate, and review here on this podcast. Please make sure you do the same with the rest of the Be Heard podcast platform. I'm really excited because I have multiple meetings today of potential additions uh, to the Be Heard podcast platform. And we really wanted to start with some established shows and some established names uh, like Deuce and Morgan. And, and like Jason Jones, and, and, and I really want you guys to get to know Kenny Caraway. If you can shoot him a message, uh, I am K Diddy on Twitter, uh, and wish him a happy birthday, uh, please do that. And, you know, I, I wanted to start with some established names so we could start introducing a new crop of talent to you, whether it be sports or music or movies or culture or social issues or whatever it may be. We, we want the ability to introduce um, just a new crop of talent from right here in Sacramento to you. And uh, I get to meet with some of those people today, man. So I'm really excited uh, about that. So search Be Heard in your podcast platform. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review to all of the podcasts. Enjoy Kings basketball tonight. The Kings and the Heat tonight at 5 o'clock uh, on NBC Sportsnet. And we will have full coverage of it for you tomorrow here on the podcast with Damian Barling.